Welcome to the Jewish Roots Life Group. I am Steve Wright, your host, and enjoy this journey with me in increasing your Christianity, your faith, by looking at it through a totally different lens, a Jewish lens, and we'll be taking this journey together and discovering our roots of our faith. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Jewish Roots Life Group, and uh, this is kind of a different thing, but it, it's okay. It's going to be worth it. I, I assure you, it's going to be worth it. So what in the world have we got for this one? Uh, we went all the way through Abraham, we went through this, we went through that, but this one was just kind of going through the Torah portions and something caught my eye, something you just read right over, wouldn't pay any attention, and nobody would catch it unless you just said, what in the world does that mean? That's what happened. So here we are. And when you start really looking into it, it opens up your eyes, it opens up a whole new meaning. What is it? Right around the time numbers chapter 8 through chapter 12 is what the Torah portion for the week was and the Torah portion was Parashat Becha Alocha so that's the name of it <laughs> that's a mouthful isn't it yes and this came from uh, Rabbi Sobel's if you go through he'll send you each week Torah portions and at the very end of it if you want to do it by the week, they'll show here, um, like what to read for Sunday, what to read for Monday, Tuesday, so on and so on. And like I said, this was from probably two weeks ago. And here, here's what he says. In the New Testament tie-in of this Torah portion, tackles the issue of playing hooky. I don't want to see a show of hands of how many of us have played hooky. Yes, you read it right. Per the Lord's instructions, Moses gathered 70 elders to the tent of meeting, or the tabernacle. We went through all the tabernacle. For an unprecedented encounter. Two of the men on that guest list played hooky. They didn't go. They skipped, in other words. For reasons which remain a mystery, but I'll go back to the Midrash. Remember how we went to Midrash? And I'll tell you what the Midrash says, what the sages say, but it could, could not be just something to think about. But it doesn't really specifically say in the Bible. And they stayed back in the camp. What do we make of this? And how could this subplot possibly connect to the New Testament that you will be encouraged by because like I said once you took a look at this little bitty part that you it's real easy to just skip right over and say yeah 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 okay I encourage you to before you start this this is how it all kind of got started rather than just read it to check it off says oh yep got my reading done for the day Ooh, whoo, boy boy that was good Rather than doing that, read it and really look at it 
And if there's something that really catches your eye or doesn't make sense, pause right there and say, huh, wonder what that means. I'm going to research that. I want to write it down as you're reading. Finish your reading, then go back to it and start studying and look at it. And that's kind of what I'm doing here and doing with you. So let's get to it. Uh, starting in the book of Numbers. So if you've got your Bible with you, we're going to the book of Numbers. I'll let you find it. While I get my go juice. Alright. Talking about two guys that played hooky. Now, before we do, let's remember how I always lay down a little bit of groundwork before we throw in the main theme. And uh, Rabbi Sobel does the same thing. He loads puts in a little bit of groundwork so you know that when the main theme hits you'll know what he's talking about. By the numbers unpacks the numerical value of the Hebrew word ner, N-E-R, which appears in the opening verses of this week's Torah portions. And what that word means, we'll go into it, and then later on in this study, uh, but, the powerful study opens up in the connection that exists between the furnishing of the tabernacle, which we've gone through, and the words of Yeshua spoken over his followers. So you're seeing a connection to the tabernacle and the words that Jesus spoke to his followers. Hmm, that's where we're headed. Now the word of the week for the Torah portions is Ruach. And if you've ever heard any of the Hebrew expressions, when you talk about the Holy Spirit, you hear the term Ruach HaKodesh. And Ruach, uh, according to this, is the basic idea of an air or emotion or a breath, including power or courage or value, so Ruach is the, the breath of air. And when God created man, he blew into him the breath of life. That, that, that same word, Ruach, the breath, the air of life, is the same word, Ruach. So in this Torah portion, we're going to be looking at those words, and we're going to be looking at the two guys that played hooky. All right. And all of this is right around uh, Pentecost and Passover in between those times there. So this is where the Torah portion readings is, is taking place. So you know there's going to be some tie-ins there. All right. Uh, let's, let's go down. I'm just going to go ahead and start in Numbers chapter 11. And here's where it says, Once again, this is all that they did in the wilderness once they were delivered out of Egypt, the people began complaining <laughs> about their hardships to the Lord God. And when God heard it, his anger flared up so that fire from Adonai broke out against them and consumed the outskirts of the camp. Alright, so let's back up a little bit. 
when they came out of Egypt, what's the first thing they did? They complained. We're hungry. Manna. We're tired of bread from heaven. We want meat. Quail. We're thirsty. Moses rock. Water comes forth. So every time that they God provided them with what they needed, they complained. God got tired of it. So he consumed the outskirts of the camp. Then the people cried to Moses. Moses prayed to the Lord and the fire subsided. That place was called Tevarah, the burning, because the Lord's fire broke out against them, or it burned against them. So apparently, God sent his fire and it just kept going until Moses prayed and God said, okay. And then the fire subsided. Next, the mixed crowd that was with them grew greedy. Alright, so they were complaining. Now they're growing greedy for an easier life. While the people of Israel, for their part, also renewed their weeping and said, If only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish that we used to eat in Egypt. It cost us nothing. And the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now we're withering away. We have nothing to look at but manna. Can you believe that? They just got done seeing the plagues, went through the Red Sea, uh, God gives them manna, and they're complaining about the things they don't have instead of looking at the things they do have. They have God, they have His strength, His might, they have freedom, and they have provision. Moses heard the people crying, family after family, each person the entrance of his tent, the anger of the Lord flared up violently again. Moses, too, was displeased. He was unhappy. Moses asked the Lord, Why are you treating your servants so badly? Why haven't I found favor in your sight? So that you put the burden of this entire people upon me? Did I conceive these people? Was I their father? So that you tell me, Carry them in your arms like a nurse carrying a baby to the land you swore to their ancestors. Where am I going to get meat to give to this entire people? Because they keep bothering me with their crying and saying, Give us meat to eat. I can't carry this entire people by myself alone. It's too much for me. If you are going to treat me this way, just kill me now. Please, if you have any mercy toward me, don't let me go on being this miserable. So here you have Moses. Moses saying, God, these people are getting on my nerves so bad. Just kill me now. How many of us have ever felt that way? Just kill me now. Get it over with. They're making me just miserable. Now, if they're getting on Moses' nerves and they're getting on God's nerves, that is... That's a pretty good undertaking when you get on God's nerves and Moses' nerves to the point where Moses says, hey, just kill me now. All right, so we're getting there. I'm laying the groundwork for what's coming up. 
So God said to Moses, bring me 70 of the leaders of Israel, people you recognize as leaders of the people and officers of theirs. Bring them to the tent of meeting and have them stand there with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take some of the spirit, the ruach, which rests upon you, and put it on them, the seventy. Then they will carry the burden of the people along with you, so that you won't carry it alone. So God's providing once again, this time for Moses. He's saying, okay, choose the seventy, bring them to me, I'll put the spirit on them so they can help carry the burden of the people. So you're with us so far. Tell the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow and you will eat meat because you cried in the ears of the Lord, if only we had meat to eat. We had the good life in Egypt. All right, God said, God is going to give you meat and you will eat it. You won't eat just one day or two days or five or ten or twenty, but the whole month until it comes out of your nose and you hate it. <laughs> because you have rejected Adonai, who is here with you, and distressed him with your crying and murmuring and complaining, asking, why did we ever leave Egypt? So he's saying, okay, you asked for it, you got it. And not only are you going to get it, but it's going to be so much that you're going to get sick of it. All right. But Moses said, here I am with 600,000 men on foot, and yet you say I will give them meat to eat for a whole month? If whole flocks and herds were slaughtered for them, would it be enough? If all the fish in the sea were collected for them, would that even be enough? Adonai answered Moses, Has Adonai's arm grown short? Now you will see whether what I said will happen or not. And I love that response God gives to Moses. He says, um, who, who are you talking with here? God? God? Me? Remember? Big God? You know, look at all the things we've done. And really, Moses, really, you're really asking me this? So Moses went out and told the people what God had said. Then he collected 70 of the elders of the people and placed them all around the tent. Adonai came down in the cloud, spoke to them, took some of the spirit, the ruach, that was on him and put it on the 70 leaders. When the spirit came to rest on them, they prophesied. Then, but not afterwards. That's important. Here's the whole point of the guys playing hooky. I'm getting right here it comes. So the 70 elders went up there. God put the ruach, the spirit. He blew the spirit upon them. And they prophesied. But only then, not afterwards. So when this was done, once they were done with the presence of God, there was no more prophesying, no more ruach. All right. There were two men who stayed in the camp. One named Eldad and the other Medad. 
and the Spirit came to rest on them as well. They were among those listed to go out to the tent, but they had not done so, and they prophesied in the camp. All right, we're going to stop right here and get to that. So these two guys were listed as the ones to go to the camp, but they did not. They stayed behind in the camp. But the Spirit fell on them just as well as the other 70. Why did they stay back? Um, according to the Midrash, this is what it says in the Chumash. This is what the sages say, and I'm going to have to put these on because this is really tiny print. All right, it says, They had been among the recorded ones since the Sanhedrin had only 70 seats Moses would have had to select six members from each ten tribes and only five from the other two. Fearing that the two tribes with the fewer members would balk at accepting his decision that they have fewer representatives, Moses elected six qualified members from each tribe, the recorded ones of this verse and had them all participate in a lottery. Seventy lots were inscribed, elder, and two were blank. Each of the seventy-two was drawn a lot, so that the choice would be clearly God's choice. Eldad and Medad did not attend the drawing, either because they were so humble that they felt they did not deserve the honor or because they were afraid they would draw blank lots and be humiliated. The fact was, however, that the two other candidates drew the blank lots so that Eldad and Medad became members by default. According to Rashi, they refrained from participating because they were very humble. God rewarded them for their noble character by permitting them to continue as prophets even after the other elders continued prophesying. And they prophesied in the camp. Uh, there we go. So according to this, uh, they drew lots. And either they were scared that they were going to be made fun of, and they didn't go, or they were very humble and said, you know, we're not worthy. Either way, that was just one uh, version, one possible explanation of why they stayed back in the camp. Alright, now, so my point here is, the whole point of all of this is, they got the Ruach, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same as the other 70. Yet they didn't go to the tent of meeting as instructed. Why? And how? And if you read a little further down in here, the 70 complain about it. Alright? says, there were two men in the camp, right? Alright, yeah, this one good, but... Eldad and Medad were prophesying in the camp, and Joshua said, the son of Nun, 
who from his youth had been Moses' assistant, answered, My Lord Moses, stop them! But Moses replied, Are you so zealous to protect me? I wish all of God's people were prophesying and prophets. I wish God would put his spirit on all of them. So here Joshua is saying, hey, stop, stop him, stop him. And, and, and Moses said, no, I wish this would happen to everybody. Moses said to the leaders of Israel who went back into their camps, and the Lord sent out a wind which brought quails from across the sea and let them fall near the camp. So here comes the quail, here comes the meat that everybody was crying for. And they stayed up all day and night and they collected all of it. All right. So here's, here's my point, and here's what uh, Rabbi Sobel says about what we just read. He says, Let's return now to Numbers chapter 11. The giving of the Spirit occurred in the tent of meeting. All who attended were by invitation. Gathered, as the text says, and yet, as this wondrous scene unfolds at the tent, another storyline was playing out back in the camp. Two men had remained in the camp, Eldad and Medad. The Ruach rested on them. They were among those listed, but they had not gone to the tent. So they prophesied in the camp. What do you make of these unqualified prophets? Hmm. Why did the Spirit rest on them also? For starters, this tale conveys a common issue in the life of God's people. His work always transcends our explanations and expectations and often violates our sensibilities. Hmm. We can relate to that, can't we? We must not presume that the Almighty sees the world the same way we do. That's the truth. But beyond this, we see God's unrelenting grace. We don't know why, but these two men failed to show up the divine appointment for some reason. And yet their delinquency reveals a profound truth. Our failures do not have power over God's graciousness. Even to those playing hooky. <laughs> But what if Adad, Eldad, and Medad serve as prophetic signposts pointing to a day when unqualified outsiders, Gentiles, would receive the Spirit? Oh, we're getting the connection now. When Peter finally went to Cornelius' house, when the Ruach HaKodesh fell on all those hearing the message, all of the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed, astonished, because the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, had been poured out even on the Gentiles, the unqualified ones, just like Eldad and Medad. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. Acts chapter 10, 44 through 46. When the word of this spread to Jerusalem, 
Those of the circumcision took issue with him. Acts 11, 2. Hmm, does that sound familiar? <laughs> so even in the New Testament, the same thing happened in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, the leader said, Hey, the Holy Spirit fell on them and they didn't make it to the meeting. Why? And here in Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit fell on them and those of the circumcision, the Jews, were saying the same thing again. Hey, the Holy Spirit fell on these unqualified Gentiles. So if God gave them the same gift as also to us after we put our trust in the Lord, who was I to stand in God's way? Verse 17. Friends, if God determined to place His Spirit in you, His relentless grace can find you and make this a reality. You may feel like Eldad and Medad, like an outsider, like you missed your appointment. Take heart. If Moses desired that God would put the Spirit on you, on all of you, how much does more does Jesus, greater than Moses, want to pour His Spirit in you today? Did you hear the last preposition that I, that I said? The Spirit in you. Back in the Old Testament, the Spirit rested on the people, on the elders. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit rests in you. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had a specific function, a purpose. Once it was completed, it left. The Holy Spirit now, the New Testament, the better testament, completing what God started, what Jesus started, what the Messiah started. What it was completing was the Holy Spirit in us now. Not on us, but in us. Just like Cornelius' house. So what Eldad and Medad represent? Unqualified, possibly Gentiles. So you have the Jews and these two outsiders that received the Holy Spirit the same. And it repeats itself in the book of Acts in the house of Cornelius. We have the Jews and then the Gentiles that received the Holy Spirit just the same. And yes, there was complaining, yes, there was murmuring, but you know what? That's the whole design from the beginning. God wanting to send the Messiah, Jesus, so that we can have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us no longer on us but in us so I want you all to take a minute think about those things talk about those things here's some questions did you ever think about the difference in the Old and New Testament of the Holy Spirit being on people and now in the New Testament the Holy Spirit in you Talk about that for a while. Or had you ever heard of Eldad and Maydad before? Had you ever seen this story before? You go through the book of Numbers. Uh, that's easy to just read right through. Another question, how many of us have ever been guilty of complaining 
God's provided for us. God's given away for us. And we're still complaining. Oh, I had this and that and the other, but now I don't have that anymore. But God's saying, look, that doesn't matter. What matters now is the spirit I placed in you. That's what matters. So there's some questions. There's some food for thought. Talk about these things, and uh, when we get back, let me know what you thought.